How's it going, horror fans? This is Fear on Tap, a weekly podcast dedicated to our love of horror entertainment, haunting rabbit holes, and of course, beer. This is one of your hosts, Miles Dampierre. And this is your other host, Ami Chiasson. And welcome to episode three. Yeah, three episodes deep. Today, we'll be diving into the gory foreign slasher flick, The Last Matinee. But first, Ame, what scary stuff have you been into this week? So for me, that's been a very productive week, actually. (laughs) So I was sick this weekend. So I spent some time watching TV, as one does. And I binged watched the entire uh, first season of Yellow Jackets. And that's been really, really good. I strongly recommend it. And hopefully we cover it on the show at some point because it's actually really good. It's spooky in some uh, in some way and uh, it's intriguing. And uh, I definitely recommend it. It's it's really good. Um, if you like, you know, gory stuff and survival things and the wilderness, you will definitely enjoy that show. And I won't talk more about it because, you know, maybe we'll cover it at some point. And the other thing that I've been watching is, and I finished that last night, was the woman in the house across the street from the girl in the window. (laughs) Oh, that's right. That's right. With Kristen Bell. (laughs) And that was actually really intriguing. A very odd TV show. Like, I'm still sort of, like, processing what it was because it is very weird. It's very odd. The The acting is very off, but on purpose, which is really weird. And um, yeah, definitely recommend checking that out. It's definitely interesting. I don't know yet if I loved it. Like I'm not, I'm still processing. I'll let you know. <laughs> but yeah. And tomorrow I'm finally, finally going to the theater to watch Scream. Oh, did they, they open them back up for you? Yes. <laughs> oh man. What, t- what time? You got it all booked or what? Oh, yeah. 7, 10 p.m. tomorrow. I'm going to go watch it alone. I'm just like, I don't care. I'm just, I just want to see the movie. <laughs> So I'm very excited. Uh, so I can't wait until we can actually talk about it. But what about you? How was your uh, your week? Uh, my week's been pretty awesome. Uh, you, you mentioned Yellow Jackets. I've had so many people hit me up on Twitter and in, in, in real life and say, you need to watch Yellow Jackets. And I still haven't seen it. So I really need to take some time and check it out. As for what I've been into, I watched this movie called Alone, which is a okay. Netflix thriller about this this woman who is basically traveling across uh, the Pacific Northwest to move, and there's this creepy guy who's following her. And she notices mm. this truck that's kind of been tailing her, and it leads to this big kind of situation where this guy is a serial killer who kidnaps her and, and locks her in his cabin. So there's this kind of okay. lead up to the, to the capture, and then there's her kind of eventual escape. And it's, it's really tense. It's, it's really well done, and it really makes it so... No one will ever pick up a hitchhiker under any circumstances ever again. <laughs> Is it kind of like that movie, The Hitchhiker, from like the early 2000s? Do you I remember can, that? Yeah, I do vaguely remember that. Um, it's, it's probably pretty similar. Like the, the main villain in this has a very Ted Bundy-esque serial killer mm. kind of classic vibe to him. And that, okay. that's kind of the feel of it. But if you want a good kind of tense thriller, not super scary per se, but a scary situation. I really liked it. It it was really solid. Um, Where'd you watch it? uh, Watch it on Netflix. So that one is on Netflix. I don't know that it's an exclusive, but you can definitely watch it there. Um, I also went to the theater and saw Jackass Forever, which is scary for an entirely different reason. And it's primarily scary because of how much 
torture these men apply to their <laughs> genitals in this movie. I don't want to spoil anything, but the opening sequence of Jackass Forever is probably the most ridiculous one they've done in the entire series by a lot. And Damn. Um, uh, as someone who grew up watching it, it's it's an absolute treat. It was this nice, beautiful, dumb distraction from all the noise in the world and had a hilarious time uh, laughing with random people in the movie theaters for the first time in a long time. I'll definitely go watch it because there's also something really wild about the fact that, you know, I feel like Steve-O was someone who did probably the craziest stuff, you know, amongst the gang, probably like throughout, you know, the jackass, I guess, uh, you know, journey. Um, but now he's been like sober for a while. And I feel like, you know, to do all that crazy stuff while being sober is probably very different. <laughs> probably more scarier i wonder but yeah i'm excited to see it too actually yeah it's interesting seeing a lot of them like grown up and and sober mm -hmm. and having kids as before you could tell they were just a bunch of dumb drunk dudes like getting up to shenanigans <laughs> very yolo like we'll yeah die young, whatever. exactly <laughs> so they bring on some new cast members who are a lot younger to kind of do some of the i would say more painful skits to be oh, fair gotcha. um but they all the, all the classic gang is still there and doing just the, the the dumbest stuff you can imagine and it's 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 just it's just wholesome all right it's just it may be the lowest brow of entertainment and having the juxtaposition from the nicole the pretentious nicole kidman amc ad <laughs> directly into the opening of jackass forever was mm, oh just one of the most I perfect moments ever jackass uh, is weirdly wholesome though do you agree it like, is I it's because it's, it's disgusting and, and like, you know, it's cringy in the sense that it makes you have like physical reactions of like what happens. But it is just wholesome to see a gang of dudes who are just, you know, been friends forever and they do this crazy stuff together. But, you know, they they like they love it in some way and it's a bonding experience. And I don't know, it's always been so wholesome to me, even though it's super like out there. Yeah, it's just this torturous bromance where all, you can tell everyone there is like best friends and that's why they can get away with doing these horrible things to each other yeah <laughs> nice well that, that, that that's really cool have you watched other stuff or is that pretty much that's, what you've been into that's pretty much it for me um on the the horror adjacent side and so you know before we dive into our overall thoughts on the last matinee uh we got to talk about our our curated beer pairings this week because mm -hmm. nothing goes together quite like horror and a good beer so what did you bring to the table for the last matinee? So for the last matinee, as you may know, um, you know, this movie is very much about, you know, going to the theater. There is some some romance in the air, Ooh, some la, dates, la. you know, it is hot in some moments. <laughs> um, and I thought, you know, let's go uh, with uh, a beer called Sexual Chocolate. It's an imperial stout by uh, the Foothills Brewing in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. It is a cocoa-infused Russian imperial stout brewed, brewed with responsibly sourced organic Peruvian cocoa, nibs, big chocolate aromas with like notes of espresso, uh, molasses, uh, and toffee and dark fruit. And uh, yeah, I thought it, it like kind of like brought the sexy vibe that this movie has until things go south. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a very decadent, so, yeah. steamy beer right there. Yeah, Sexual exactly. chocolate. How about you? What did you bring? So I brought The Fearless Youth, which is a Dunkel Lager from the Grimm Brothers Brewhouse out of Loveland, Colorado. And 
This beer is dedicated to our main protagonist, Anna, who much like this beer is strong, confident, and knows how to get the job done. Uh, we'll get more into it, but the way that this particular character is introduced is, is something I absolutely love um, because she doesn't question her motive. She's, she sees mm. what she has to do and she just starts kicking people in the face. So oh, yeah. it's a nice traditional dunkel lager with notes of, of caramel, chocolate, and baked bread. But uh, yeah. So we both went pretty sweet, like chocolate, you know, like mm. uh, cinema candy. Yeah, that's, <laughs> you got to have the chocolate. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk yeah. more about that. But first, cheers to episode three and cheers, cheers to the last matinee. All right, let's get into the pointless tally. What you got for us? Let's do it. All right, so the pointless tally. If you haven't listened to the show before, this is where we break down a lot of the biggest moments in one convenient list from the movie or show or game we're discussing. So the pointless tally for the last mat matinee, we have 14 melon-scooped eyeballs, 12 Yum. pieces of disgusting theater floor candy, three oral impalements, <laughs> Two knives to the heart, one smoking neck wound, and one very stained pair of pants. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. <laughs> we'll talk about that more later. But oh, yeah. we'll dive right into that. <laughs> what do we got for our arbitrary awards this week? Yeah, so this week I, I, I decided to do something a bit more special because I thought Ooh. that I'm, I, some people may or may not know, but I'm obsessed with Letterboxd. And Letterboxd, if you don't know what that is, it is a uh, website where you can go. It's kind of like a community of horror, well, not horror, but films in general, films, geeks who reunite there and they post their reviews. They post their watch list, uh, you know, lists of certain genre that they like. And basically, it's not really a social network. Like you can't really like post like statuses or anything like that. But you can post your reviews. You can comment on each other's reviews. And it's very much a beautiful community uh, for movie lovers. And the people who post reviews on there are so hilarious. I swear, like every time <laughs> I watch a movie, my first reflex is to go on Letterboxd and go read the reviews because people are hilarious. And I thought, you know what? Let's do an arbitrary awards for the best letterbox reviews about the last matinee from letterbox all right let's hear them so we have three and i'm gonna just go through the three of them and they're just really funny and i thought you know why not so our first letterbox review is by a user name a user just called e so shout out to e um <laughs> He says, uh, excuse me, but I think you dropped your pickled eyeball in my popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, we have another review by uh, Dutch who says, I wish that I die in the movie theater. Not at the ends of an eyeball eating drifter, mind you. Just in a normal way, like having a heart attack during a special screening of Wings of Desire at the Ritz. <laughs> <laughs> and the last one by Cosmic Gumbo says, Please don't make an American version with Millie Bobby Brown. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I read that one and I literally laughed out loud because I could totally see an American reboot with Millie Bobby Brown. Totally. Uh, you, yeah. What's perfect about that is you absolutely can. The entire vibe of this movie mm -hmm. is Stranger Things-esque. So, oh, yeah. You know what? Actually, I'm for it. Sorry, Cosmic Gumbo. You Let's are? go. Let's <laughs> Yeah, but at the same time, I feel like, you know, I don't like how I feel like the 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 popularity of these films sometimes will kind of get uh, hijacked by an American version because then people mm. will watch the American version, but not necessarily know about the version from Uruguay. So 
I don't know. But uh, yeah, I just thought that was really funny because it, it's true that it really gave me strong like season two Stranger Things. <laughs> is this season two or season three? I don't recall where they're in the theater a lot. But yeah, it, it really gave me strong Stranger Things vibes for sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So that's amazing. Appreciate those incredible letterboxed reviews. <laughs> um, yeah, we're obviously going to be touching on a lot of the things mentioned in our you know, pointless tally and the arbitrary awards. But real quick, we'll give you kind of a an overall breakdown of what The Last Matinee is. So The Last Matinee is a retro-inspired slasher flick that takes place in Montevideo, which, for you geography buffs out there, is the capital of Uruguay. This is a Spanish-language film, so you're going to have to do some reading. Sorry, there are subtitles. Or, or you can not read and just kind of imagine what everyone's saying on screen. That's completely up to you. Or you speak Spanish and you're fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, a lot of options here. A lot of options for you. So it is a film that pulls a lot of inspiration from classic 80s era U.S. slasher films. Mm -hmm. It takes place in 1993, but the vibe of everything is is very 80s. Thick synths. And very like Giallo or Giallo. I don't know how you pronounce that in English, but. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a lot of heavy synth. There's a lot of uh, 90s inspired fashion mm -hmm. and plenty of iconic kill scenes. This was directed by Maximiliano Contente, and it came out in 2020. So before we dive into some of the specifics, what were your overall thoughts after, after finishing the last matinee? So I'm, I, I really have a struggle. I, I, it's like I have this internal dilemma, okay? Because so I really liked it in some ways, and I had a problem with it in some other ways. So without going too, too much in details, because we can go into it a bit more, I would say I have mixed feelings about the movie. I think it had really, really strong scenes and really strong, a really strong score. I was a big fan of the music score. I thought it was yes. amazing. And uh, I thought some of the kills uh, were really, really cool. Um, but I did have a bit of an issue with uh, the just story-wise. I thought that, the character's introduction for me at least was not fleshed out enough so what kind of like happened outside of maybe the main character which was anna in my opinion um i didn't really give a shit about the characters <laughs> like in the sense that i feel like it maybe would have been cool because there's a couple of really long moments in this movie and i feel like maybe it would have been cool to instead just just put a, just a little bit more time into fleshing out the characters more because there's like these different sets of characters right that come in the in the theater and uh they all go through this journey <laughs> in the same room and i unfortunately feel like i didn't really care about what happened to them so that for me was a bit unfortunate and i wasn't really sure about the ending either so that's kind of like my general thought but like very very strong moments but as a as a as a whole i have mixed feelings what about you yeah we're i think on the same page in a lot of ways obviously i love the vibe like you mentioned the, the soundtrack's yeah. incredible it really harkens back to classic 80s slashers in really powerful ways. So, so the, the slow builds, the big dramatic stings, like the music hits. Every oh, time yeah. there's a, a epic a moment with music, it really lands. But I kind of agree. A lot of the characters in this just served as props to be killed, mm -hmm. which I guess if you are paying homage to 80s classics, that really kind of was the vibe. You didn't really set up a lot of backstory for anyone yeah. they were just in a setting to be killed and that's that's kind of how this felt with a lot of the characters i, I do agree there uh, i also agree that i think anna is definitely the standout main character who gets the most development and has the most kind of investment from me as the viewer yeah 
Um, but yeah, I I liked some of the kills. Like you touched on, there were really big standout moments. And then there were a couple that to me were just kind of weak. Like when yeah. when the entire focus of the movie is the kill and mm-hmm. you don't give me an epic kill every time, it, it it takes away, I think, from the overall experience. I don't have any huge complaints about it. Overall, I did really enjoy it, but mm-hmm. I am kind of mixed. I, I left this movie thinking, you know, it was good. It was good. Not yeah, great. Me too. Yeah. And um, we're obviously going to be diving into kind of the, the, the kill props or characters in this. But <laughs> to give everyone an overview of what's happening to create this basically setting for this movie, there's a, a small movie theater that is playing a horror movie. And it's a rainy day. Everyone's coming in to watch, watch the movies. Um, inside of the movie theater is a killer, a crazed killer who just wants to kill people for the sake of killing people. Mm-hmm. And so we have this group of, of basically three teens that, that are drinking underage, I assume, huh? which, wow, incredibly irresponsible. Uh, Youths. We have the sexy couple which is basically this this really kind of dopey nerdy guy who I I I loved I found him super charming and then I his loved him like <laughs> smoking hot date who's like he clearly feels his way out of she's his league she's a bad girl you know she's yeah, kind of like yeah she's yeah. Ooh, she's a, yeah she's pushing pushing boundaries pushing yeah. buttons uh, and then you have this young boy who's like 6 7 8 ish like really really young somehow snuck into this R-rated movie and is just eating candy off the floor like a absolute maniac um and then who else am i oh yeah anna who is the movie theater displays basically the movie theater owner's daughter and she's stepping in to relieve her dad so he can leave and so that's why she's there and then you have the kind of veteran guy in his early 20s who's the only basically full-time employee it seems like at the movie theater and that's kind of our our core cast of characters Mm, yeah and there's like I feel like the the you know the the little couple that was there. Um, I don't think they were like a couple. I think they were like maybe on one of their first dates or something like that. Because <laughs> that guy, like, they don't seem like they would, you know. I think end up being an actual couple, in my opinion, if they had, you know, survived. <laughs> spoilers. <laughs> Spo- spoilers. Yes, you are absolutely right. This is obviously big date number one vibes <laughs> for these two. Oh, this poor man. I think like if I had to choose like my favorite like character. I think it would be him because he's just so wholesome and he like he genuinely liked the movie, but also was very much infatuated with her. <laughs> and oh, was, he was so sweet. <laughs> yeah, because he was just like obviously there to watch a movie. She seems uninterested. So mm. there's a moment where smokes inside. <laughs> yeah. Big red flag smoking inside of the movie theater after the little attendant guy came over and told her to put it out. Um, so, yeah, bad girl, obviously. But yeah, what I, what I love about their dynamic is she's clearly uninterested in watching this movie. He turns over and says, like, <laughs> um, is, is everything OK? Are, are you liking it? And she's like, did you know what this movie was? And he's like, no, sometimes I just go to the movies and like <laughs> watch a random movie for fun. And she's like, clearly seems very yeah. <laughs> disgusted by that idea. Like, why would you do that? Why would you I ever do that? that? Why not? <laughs> And yeah, as a movie buff, I'm like, yeah, I love that. I love that he's just like, you know what? I'm just going to go to the movies and I'm going to watch what's playing. That is that is that is absolutely wholesome to me. You should have gone on a date with him, Miles, instead. I think you both would have appreciated 
the experience more than yeah. her. Yeah, she was just a big distraction to <laughs> the movie on the screen, which was Frankenstein, The Day of the Beast. Correct yes. me if I'm wrong. Yeah. yeah, Frankenstein, The Day of the Beast, which as you're as this movie's unfolding, you're watching this other movie on the screen, which is what I love most about this dynamic is it's like subtitleception. So you're watching <laughs> a Spanish language film with English subtitles, and then the movie they're watching in theaters is an English language film uh -huh. with Spanish subtitles. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was really funny too. <laughs> Subtitleception. I, I saw that in the notes and I was like, oh, nice. <laughs> but yeah, and then you have like the, so yeah, because you have the couple, like you said, you have the group of teenagers, which are composed of two young lads and this girl. And they seem to be a little intoxicated before they come into the cinema and they're a bit obnoxious. They're kind of making a bit of a ruckus, they're being loud. And everybody's kind of like, oh, shh. <laughs> yeah, that group, the stereotypical, like, turn your head back and glare group. Mm. We've all been there. Listen, guys, listen, we've all been young. You know, I've I'm not saying that I was like this obnoxious, I would say, going to the theater. But I've definitely been, you know, with like my friends when we were like 15 and we were a bit annoying. Like, I've been there, you know. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I'm not going to pretend like I wasn't because I like these kids grew up in a small town with one main movie theater and that served as our main source of entertainment. So yeah, we would, we would be those kids. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. But. And they end up actually being so annoying that the man with the beard, the older guy with the beard, who was at first, um, because there was this man who was, I think he like stays there and he's, because when you, when you pay for a movie, right, you go see the movie and then you leave, right? But this man was uh, like staying in a the theater and refused to leave when the when the clerk or the attendant, whatever you call those cinema folks. <laughs> Usher, I think, is the technical term. Usher? For it. Yeah. OK, so the, he goes to him and he's like, oh, sir, like you watched a movie, you need to leave. And the guy's like, well, I've already paid for the movie. I've, I've already watched it. So who cares if I watch it again? Like I already watched it. Like, who cares? <laughs> and the guy's like, well, you still need to leave. <laughs> And he refuses to. And at some point, the guy's like, I'm not paid enough for this. Like, whatever. Mm -hmm. Just like, <laughs> do your thing. And when the, the young uh, group arrives and they're being like obnoxious and loud, he tries to tell them to shut up a couple of times. And then he just gets tired of it. And he just jets. He just leaves the cinema. He's like over it. And I mean, that was uh, that was how he survived pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Those like, obnoxious <laughs> kids saved that old man's life. Exactly. Thank you, kids. Yeah. So to shout out to all the obnoxious movie theater kids out there. So with the, the kind of focus of this movie being the, the kills, as as we yeah. touched on, this movie is all about the kills. We got to talk about some of our favorite kill scenes in this because there are a couple notable standouts, in my opinion, and I want to know yeah. what your favorite kill scenes were in the last matinee. So for me, I think and I think we're probably going to agree on that one. But I think my favorite one, just because of how creative it was, and it's not a kill that I've personally seen before, like in other movies, is uh, the one where the the girl who in the who was on, on a date with this awkward, awkward dude. Um, she was smoking a cigarette. Right. And then she gets like stabbed in the throat. And because of that, there's like smoke that g comes out of her throat. And, and I thought that was such a cool um, detail. And I really, really liked that kill for that reason, because the kill itself is actually not that original, but it's more the, the effects with the, the cigarette that comes out of the, of the throat, which I thought was super creative and a really good way to like, you know, put a bit of a, 
creative turn on a otherwise pretty unimpressive kill, you know? Uh, but yeah, that was my, my personal, I would say, uh, favorite. Yeah, the uh, the smoking throat slit is one of the standouts for sure, because like you touched on, it's not something I'd seen before in a horror movie, having the person smoke and then get killed mid smoke and having the basically open wound in their neck just pour out like six cigarette smoke. Yeah, it was a clever kill. Got to give a big shout out to the smoking neck kill. Mm -hmm. Uh, My my second favorite, since I would say that is my favorite for sure. But another standout for me is. You have the group of three kids up top, the two guys, the one girl. Uh Uh, There is one of the young lads has been kind of creepily, let's be realistic, following this girl who (laughs) who took a bus to the movie theater. um, And he keeps telling his friends, hey, that's the girl on the bus. And they're like, dude, don't be a creep. What are you doing? He's like, I'm going to go talk to her. And they're like, "Okay, dude, whatever. And so he goes down, talks to this this girl who's sitting solo. And basically they hit it off. They, you know, they start making out in the movie theater, whatever. Uh, Our killer comes around with basically like a a rebar. And while they're like Mm. French kissing, spears them both through the mouth. So through the back of one of their heads, through the other person's mouth and out the back of the other person's head Uh and basically joins them together permanently in this French Mm. kiss. And like that one to me, not as original, but I still thought it was a pretty satisfying one considering the setup to their uh, romantic endeavors. For me, I think that the best part of that kill wasn't even the kill itself, but the moments after, because there's this girl who was with the with the the kids, right? Who's like up top, and she's sort of like every you know little couple of moments, she kind of looks there and she's like, "Damn, they're surely kissing for a long time and not really moving." <laughs> <laughs> and this other guy's like, "Stop creeping! Like, just watch the movie! Like, what the fuck?" <laughs> and and then she says that once, and then. You know, another time she's like, yeah, they're really not moving. <laughs> and then she's like, something's not right. And it's just this like build up to like, is she going to go like check? Because like, obviously they're not kissing. They're just not. They just have their both of their faces like, you know, stuck with each other. They're not moving. So she goes there and that's kind of like where sort of the crescendo of the whole like, oh, my God, like there's a crazy person or like a, a killer on the loose because these people are dead. <laughs> yeah, that's the big kind of reveal, because up until that point. A lot of people are dying without anyone really understanding what's happening. Um, so, yeah, that, that trio, we have the French kisser who's now dead. The girl who comes down discovers her dead friend. And then you have uh, the Uruguayan Jonah Hill doppelganger, which yeah. is the only way I can describe <laughs> the third guy yeah. because he looks identical True. to Jonah Hill in a way that I could not overlook the entire time that I saw him. I was just thinking of super bad and it was just cracking me up. People on Letterboxd were actually mentioning that as well. So you're not alone. <laughs> okay. I'm glad I'm not alone. My, my wife was on the same page. I was torn between, you know, Jonah Hill and then Newman from Seinfeld. I kept kind of bouncing mm, between those two figures yeah. for this guy. No, I totally see the Jonah Hill. Like I didn't see it when I was watching, but once you said it, I was like, oh, I can't unsee now. Like I definitely uh, saw it then. And also, oh yeah, there was this other guy because they, I feel like they sort of introduced rather quickly, like each set of characters in the movie theater, except that one old, like that one elderly man who got killed, I think first. Oh yeah, that's right. They never even introduced him. He just died. (laughs) And that was just odd because that was a very odd first kill to me because I feel like you know, because we sort of see this opening sequence of the killer entering the cinema and, you know, sort of like making it his way to the, 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 the theater room. And 
you know, yeah. And then each character sort of sort of has or set, sets of character, I should say, sort of sort of has this like very short um, introduction or like backstory, let's say, of like how they arrived to the theater. Um, and except this one guy who's the first one to die, but we don't have any information whatsoever. I don't think he ever talks. It's like just this random guy who gets killed. Um, and I thought that was a little weird because it's the only one who, who that happened to. Yeah, I agree. And maybe that was just to, I don't know, set the tone, like low stakes, but mm. let you know there's a killer on the loose. I mean, even though it's yeah, obvious from the opening sequence where you have a guy fishing in what looks like an olive jar. He fishes out like an olive or something like with his bear, sticks his whole hand in oh. the olive jar like a monster and just... <laughs> I have something about that to just, say. Just chomps on it. It's disgusting. <laughs> I have something about that to say because like so the movie almost opens on that almost like I think um you see sort of like I don't remember the order exactly but you see this like kid and these people leaving the theater this kid drops a bowl of uh like uh candies uh in the stairs which is sort of like a foreshadow to something else that happens like at the end of the movie um but yeah and then he the, the killer is like in his car I think and he is like putting his hand in a jar of pickled of pickled stuff and in my mind so my family comes from the maritimes and i saw the 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 bowl and to me it looked like marinated um shoot how do you call those in english it's like sea snails um oh. that's a thing that they sell like you know okay because we have like escargot <laughs> here which is like raw raw yeah snail. so basically it's like yeah they, they like marinate those and it, it really looked like what he was eating so i thought it was like a a big uh jar of marinated like snails and i thought that's what he ate but it's like sea snails um and that's i i really thought that's what he ate and i had this like <laughs> biggest like flashback to like childhood like with my grandparents like eating <laughs> marinated snails and like I, I don't know i had this like super wholesome memory when i watched that even though it's like a horror movie and it's obviously the killer but i was like oh my god like he's eating marinated snails <laughs> and then and then you kind of learned that it wasn't marinated snails. And then I was like, ew. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's funny that we had completely opposite experiences. You had some nostalgic memory of, yeah. of you know, some old, you know, kind of little treat. And for me, I was like, this dude is sticking his entire hands in some brine and it's absolutely <laughs> vile. Like you can't really tell what it is. Like it's, I think, actually we know now it's purposely kind of obtuse as to what yeah. he's eating, but it, it's just some wet salty thing in a yeah. jar and he just fishes it in there takes a big old disgusting bite and makes his way into the theater so, so uh i have not tried uh marinated sea snails to be honest with you here yeah it's not that good it's just that i think it's like this type of taste that you kind of get used to whenever if you're someone who like consumes a lot of seafood like i think it's not weird, but if for someone who like doesn't eat that or hasn't really eaten that, like, I don't think it's something that would be very appetizing <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I it doesn't sound like something I'm going to try. Uh, no offense <laughs> okay. to your, your grandparents or anyone, but I think I'm I'm steering clear of marinated snails. <laughs> it's all good. Um, oh, and uh, one set of characters, should I say a lone character that we haven't touched upon is the lone child. Um, who was there as well watching the movie, the the young kid who was by by himself. Yeah. So this little kid sneaks in like, like we touched on. He's, he finds some, a chocolate bar on the ground, mm -hmm. um, picks it up. And this kid, he just comes off as the biggest 
I kind of hate him. Do yeah, like he's the most <laughs> unlikable kid, and I, that's that's hard for me to say. I'm I'm normally a nice person, but this kid seemed like an idiot. Seemed like just someone I didn't want to meet. He's sitting there in the movie theater with a yeah. chocolate bar, watching the movie, rubbing chocolate on his cheek because he can't aim for his own mouth. I know. Like the kid is. <laughs> the kid is annoying from the get, from I the know. jump. The kid is annoying. You don't like him, and you just want you 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 kind of hope he gets killed. I know it's terrible to say. They don't. I know. They normally don't kill the kids in the horror movies, but you kind of. And then want he them pisses himself, and I'm like, oh god. <laughs> Things do not stack well in this kid's favor, all right? This kid is one of the least likable characters in this entire movie. Well, he just seems like, I feel like, well, first of all, I feel like he's really too young to be alone at a, at a horror movie theater. Like, I don't know if his parents left him here or if he, like, ran away or whatever it is, but he was hiding, definitely, because when they were trying to, uh, you know, verify if, like, okay, the room is empty, like, we can start the next session or whatever like he was definitely hiding so i don't really know what his deal was um but like i don't know he just he just looked like a kid that's like super annoying and that <laughs> is super disobedient <laughs> and like you said like when he was eating his chocolate bar i'm like dude really like you put the fucking entire chocolate bar on your cheek instead of your mouth like really and i was so annoyed by this kid i don't know why and then even even through the whole because he does end up surviving like for a while and actually makes it to the end of the movie and the whole time i was like i just want the kid to die and it's so mean because usually i'm someone who's like very much like you know if there's a kid involved i'm always like oh no like it's a little kid like i'm always very the attached to the kids it. characters gotta... you know <laughs> yeah. i like how even the evil the... ones even when they're possessed and evil i still want them to make it you know but this guy <laughs> i don't know why <laughs> i like that we've sp- Spent more time talking about the character flaws of this young child than the serial killer in this movie. You know what? Maybe, maybe the the, the child was the the villain all along. No, I'm kidding. Damn, damn. All <laughs> okay. right, now we're getting into it. Um, so before we talk about the big kind of reveal of this movie, uh, we got to touch back on our our first date couple and our oh, yeah. our our wholesome. <sighs> Our wholesome, I don't know if they said his name. They might have. I don't remember I don't what his remember, name was. Yeah. So, you know, he thinks the date's not going well. He's sitting there starting to feel uncertain about this. Mm. She's starting to make up excuses as to why she kind of might have to leave. She's like, yeah. oh, it's um, my aunt's birthday. I'm going to have to go soon. And he's like, right now? And she's like, mm, I guess I can stay. And so he's he's ready for the date to be over. And then. Yeah, he's sweating a little bit. In a. uh <laughs> rather you know sensual development she reaches on over to his inner leg and starts making her way to his uh his genitals and he gets himself a nice little uh i think over the pants hand job in the movie theater Mm -hmm. here um so you know there's uh, this weird sexual like escalation that ties into like their interaction and then the killer like getting ready to kill someone and there's this big yeah. kind of like simultaneous climax between yeah 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 the death and the <laughs> the cream jeans if you will. <laughs> not the cream jeans <laughs> so yeah. yeah he he has to go to the bathroom because he's got a a situation in his pants and he's trying mm-hmm. to you know cover it up and he's embarrassed <laughs> he's embarrassed and it turns out there actually is an aunt's birthday party and now he's gonna have to go to 
this aunt's birthday party with uh, a big old stain in the front mm-hmm. of his pants. So goes in the bathroom, is is washing off, you know, trying to figure it out, ends up falling in some Wait. blood. Yeah, I, I think that was when he was coming out of the theater, actually, when he fell, like, because I, I think there was like some slippery uh, newspaper with oh, blood that's on it. Right. And he like fell on his way to the bathroom because before he gets to the bathroom, he crosses paths with Anna, who says that he has a stain on his butt. And he automatically assumes that she saw the other yes, stain. The, uh, the stain he's most fixated on right now. Yeah. yeah. And then he realizes like, oh, I have blood on my butt. Yeah. Yeah. So these pants covered in blood, covered in semen. Um, and when he's at his lowest, when he's in the bathroom trying to hide mm-hmm. his shame, killer comes in and just does him dirty. Just right on the yeah. toilet, stabs him right in the heart um, and kills our, our beloved uh, love interest. Yeah. And it's, I felt so bad for him because I could just, like think ahead and be like they're gonna find his poor little body with cum on his pants <laughs> you know oh, and dude. it's just <laughs> and it's just not a glorious death you know like on a on a toilet bowl that's overflowing and i'm like this poor man got done so dirty <laughs> he did not deserve that <laughs> yeah he yeah he had it rough he had it pretty rough in the grand scheme of things so pour one out for him um, and then at that point, Anna starts to realize like, oh, damn, people are dying. Like yeah. shit is going down in the theater. Um, she she meets up with the other girl who was part of that group. She meets up with the younger boy and they're basically now trying to save themselves uh-huh. from this killer. Um, oh, wait. Also, before that, um, the killer also kills. Uh, what's his face? Um, the the colleague of Anna, the annoying um Oh, yes. Kind of rude to her. (laughs) Yes. He's dead. Everyone is dead except for. Actually, when does Jonah Hill die? I forget how Jonah Hill died. Um, I'm thinking if you if you recall, I feel like he was dying kind of like in the whole ruckus of the girl and Anna trying to escape the theater. I know he dies like at the entrance of the the um, of the room that they were in because. They were like fighting and she ends up making it and then he kind of stays there and she tries to go back for him. But then, you know, like Anna kind of like pulls her away and then they lock the door with um, this cable. And I think at that point, they don't they don't know yet that there's a little boy when that other guy dies because the little boy was still hiding. Um, And then she remembers that, oh, wait, there's a boy. I saw a boy earlier. And then she goes and that's why she goes back and opens the door back to try and go get the boy. That's right. That's right. So as they just start discovering these bodies, um, one one trend appears across all of them. Every single one of them is missing both of their eyeballs. So yep. they are like trying to figure out, like, not only are they dead, but, you know, why are their eyeballs gone? Where did all the eyeballs go? And so you as the viewer are like trying to piece that together too. You're like, I saw them die, but I never saw the killer take out any of their eyes. Yeah, it's like not shown until a, a revelation. You know? Exactly. And so you're you're kind of curious about it for the entire time. And then there's the big standoff in the projector room between the serial mm-hmm. killer, Anna, the other girl and the little boy. And in walks the serial killer with his weapon in hand. And then he's got a jar in hand, his his gross, briny, pickly jar. But this time you clearly see that this jar is full of eyeballs. All of the eyeballs of the victims that he had. And his own too, because she stabbed them in the eye, remember? 
Oh, that's and really and his eye is like dangling from his face, and he's like cutting it and then putting it in the in the marinade and then eating it. That's right. Yes, I forgot about the sequence where <laughs> he cuts out his own eye and eats his own eyeball. Who? That's yeah. a power move right there. That's, that's a power, power move. move. Yeah, that's how you establish your dominance as a serial killer. You say, you know what? Not only am I going to embrace the fact that I lost an eye, but this is an opportunity for me to refuel, recharge with a little protein before <laughs> I kill you. We're little protein balls, you know, like you go on to Pinterest, you know, with these like protein oh. balls recipes, but instead it's just oh. like a bowl of I've marinated eyes. <laughs> I have never eaten an eyeball. I have never eaten an eyeball in my life, but. Do you think they have protein? I, I don't. Probably not much, to be honest. But I, I have had sushi. And mm-hmm. in, when I lived in Seattle, there was a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of sushi places. And one of them specialized in these, these octopus balls. And so it was okay. a fried octopus ball. So it was a little, little round ball, you know, probably slightly larger than a human eye. Uh-huh. And inside of it was basically pureed octopus and then a piece of tentacle. But I remember biting into one of those for the first time and thinking to myself, this has to be what it's like to chew on an eyeball. Because as soon as I bit into it, it just exploded in my mouth and the octopus puree and the tentacle just like popped (laughs) in there. And I, I was trying, I was with a group of people and I was trying so hard not to just puke that out on the table because it was, oh, it wasn't like flavor wise disgusting, but it was the worst sensation I've ever had in my mouth. Yeah, because for me, I think the only the only time I like interacted with an eyeball was in like science class where we had to um, do these. I don't know, like we 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 use like I think we had once a, a poor cart. Uh, one time we had a brain and we had to like cut them up and stuff like that. And one time we had a um, I think it was a bull's eye. Um, and so I had to cut into the bull's eye and. We had to like find a specific uh, thing, you know, in the eye and we had to basically identify some uh, characteristics like we were studying the biology of this eye pretty much. And um, I remember that it was very, very slippery and that it was really hard to cut into because of how slippery it was. And I will forever remember the feeling of the scalpel going through the eye. Like it's it's a very like you said, like it's like this strong wall of like membrane and then inside it's like this juice <laughs> and oh Ooh. it was really gross <laughs> but you did not pop it in your mouth just to give it a try no 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 <laughs> okay. I, I resisted okay. listen I, i'll do the marinated snails but not the eyes <laughs> that's my that's my line that's where you draw the line all right yeah. <laughs> you can marinate snails all day as soon as you start putting eyeballs in that jar we have a problem exactly so as, as this kind of culminates and you realize that, oh my God, this dude is scooping out eyes and the reason that he's in the movie theater is because he ate his last eyeball in his jar and he needs to restock. Um, they have their conflict, <laughs> they fight. And then like you touched on, there's beautiful foreshadowing. The op- one of the opening scenes is this, mm-hmm. this, all these gumballs being knocked out of a child's hand and these gumballs are... They're bouncing down the stairs in slow motion and the kid's like, oh no, my candy. And then there's this beautiful parallel to the -hmm. killer being being murdered and then him dropping his jar of eyeballs. And then that same exact shot, but instead of gumballs bouncing down the stairs, it's a bunch of human eyeballs just bouncing down the stairs in slow motion. And that was, oh, it was definitely one of the highlights. Definitely a beautiful way to tie everything together, I felt. 
I agree. It was really satisfying. And I thought that, you know, because like that first opening sort of like sequence in the in the the early movie when people are like leaving the the, the theater and stuff like the gumballs dropping from the stairs and everything. I thought like at first when I first saw it, I was like, oh, that's like just a cool shot. Like it's a beautiful visual like of the gumballs, you know, dropping. But I didn't expect that to sort of come back. You know, I just I just thought, oh, that's just a beautiful, you know, um, scene, you know, with the music and all of that. And then when it came back at the end, that was just a very satisfying shot because I was like, oh, that's so cool because I didn't expect that to happen. So I, I was really happy to see that. Yeah, that was such a cool callback to that opening scene. And, and like you said, like I, I you know, I, I remembered the gumball scene vividly because it was really well shot. It was interesting, mm-hmm. but I didn't expect even after the big gumball, even after the big eyeball reveal in the jar for them to kind of bring it full circle like that. So it was ooh, it was it was really well done. <laughs> yeah, I agree. So so, you know, I think that if we go back to a bit of like what our thoughts were so. There was a couple of strong moments with the kills. There was some really, really satisfying kills, like with the couple, with the, you know, smoking neck. But I think outside of these two, which were kind of cool, um, I didn't really care for the other kills. Like, I was sad about our little lover boy getting killed, but I didn't think that his killing, you know, um, method was necessarily original. Like, we've seen a thousand, you know, bathroom kills before, <laughs> you know, like I was in that, you know impressed with it so i think that for a movie that relies a lot on the kills and the creative the creativity behind the kills um i was a little bit disappointed in that way because even though the ones that were really cool were really cool i feel like to me every single kill should have been epic you know like you said so that's kind of like where i stand and also like i said earlier you don't really care about the characters that much. And even though I can understand the context, you know, or like the concept, I guess it's like, oh, well, we're in a movie theater. Like we don't get to learn about these characters because they just show up to a theater and we don't know them. But at the same time, I'm like, well, I understand the concept, but I just don't know if it's a good one. Just, you know, in the sense that I still feel like it could have been cool to see them either before they get to the theater or get just a bit more um, in-depth uh, conversations with them while they're waiting maybe for the movie to start. I don't know, but I just didn't really care for most of them. Little Boy was annoying to me, so like I wasn't a fan of the, <laughs> all the characters <laughs> to say. like I liked Anna. Um, I didn't mind the other girl. I don't remember her name. Um, she was okay, but I, you know, I didn't really have any strong feelings towards her. Um, the only guy that I really liked was the, the lover boy, pretty much. Like, I thought he was so wholesome. Um, but yeah, so I didn't really care for them that much. So I think, like, story-wise, it could have been fleshed out a little bit more. And even with Anna, like, at first, they sort of hint about her father being sort of this a bit overbearing man who is a little bit uh, has struggling to have trust in his daughter to take care of the theater and take care of the job. And she convinces him, you know, to... to to take care of it that one night so he can go uh, and leave and rest and everything. And then she has this back and forth with the, with her colleague and then he dies pretty quickly. So you don't really get to flesh out that relationship more, even though I thought it was like an interesting back and forth. So I was a little bit sad about that. So to me, I kind of, I kind of ended that movie going like, Oh, that was, that was cool. But I didn't like love it. Love it. Yeah. Like, like you touched on the story was fine. It was, uh, it, it was just good enough to move things forward. But that to me was a bigger flaw when like you touched on the kills were not that interesting all the time. You had two 
back-to-back kills where somebody was just stabbed in the heart. And that is like the most boring way to kill someone in a horror movie. I'm sorry. I'm sure it's effective. Let's be real. If you're trying to kill someone, (laughs) stabbing them in the heart, that's a they're dead. That's a guaranteed kill. So points for efficiency, but the the man was lacking style. All right. I needed some Mm. more flash. I needed some more panaz with some of these kills. And he didn't, you know, bring it. He, you know, he he went hard in the first half. And then the second half, I felt like he phoned it in. I got to say. He botched it a little bit. <laughs> he did, you know? It's like, you but know, he had, you, you he, start. Because he had style. He yeah. had style. It's just he didn't keep it up, you know? Yeah, he got tired. It's like when you start your work day. The first four hours, you're putting it in. Lunch comes around. Back half of your day, a wash. <laughs> just an absolute wash. And that's where he Kinda was. Kind of sleepy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Little disappointed. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, but yeah. So, I, I think you know that kind of that kind of summarizes our our feelings towards it. I still I still think that in general, this movie had a lot of style, visually speaking. And I was a big fan of the sort of like eye gore um, angle of it, especially towards the end, where he's like cutting up his own eye and eating his own eye. And you know, they didn't shy away from you know zooming in and you know really yeah. letting us look at it. You know, I thought that was that was cool. Uh, the actors were pretty good, you know, the the ones that were on screen most of it, most of the time. Um, and then there was this weird sort of like cliffhanger too at the end where the little boy seemed sort of not infatuated with the, the like situation, but definitely intrigued. What was your feeling about sort of like this last shot uh, yeah, of the boy being like, yeah, I couldn't tell if the boy was like, like you said, infatuated, like. Has this obsession with it, or if he was just like absolutely traumatized because he <laughs> like clearly just snuck into this R-rated movie, and as he's watching the movie, you can tell the mo- even just the movie is a lot for him, and he's like, I mean, he hiding. pissed himself before knowing anybody was dying. <laughs> exactly. So he's like peeing himself watching the movie. So I think what I gathered is that it was just he's traumatized for life. This boy is permanently damaged from this. Because the way that I saw it, I almost it almost felt because they did like this weird zoom in onto the eye. It was one of the eyes, I think, on the stairs. And the music kind of like hinted as as like almost like, oh, this boy is going to grow up to be a serial killer himself. You know, I mean, I wouldn't based on how he acted in the movie theater, I wouldn't be surprised if you know, even outside of, you know, even if there wasn't a serial killer like murder spree while he was there, a uh, big serial killer vibes just looking at him. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, OK, that's fair. <laughs> Uh, that's, yeah okay uh any more like so, sort of like additional detail or like behind the scene notes that you had about the movie yeah let's talk about some fun trivia and this is again we talked about the uh subtitleception so there's this movie that's playing in the theater while you're watching these people be being murdered in the theater and so this movie uh the killer of this movie was played by a man named ricardo idlis and he directed the movie within the movie frankenstein day of the beast and some other Ooh. kind of fun details about this is the movie itself came out in 2011, but it was said to take place in 1993, which is the same year that this movie took place. So oh. uh, there's this kind of cool connection. And I haven't looked into Ricardo, what his background is uh, or why there's a connection with the the Maximiliano director of this one. But it was really cool to have that kind of, you know, lore baked into this movie. Oh, that's that's actually a, a really nice detail. I think that the movie in general, they did a really nice job. I think they they had a really good eye for detail uh, for what they did, um, even though, like you said, you know, some of the kills lacked a bit of like 
uniqueness and epicness. But I think that when it comes to the attention to detail, I think this film did a really good job of like really making sure that every little thing was thought about, you know, and I think this is sort of a proof that everything was very much done on purpose. Um, and I, I, yeah, that's that, that's really cool. And, and also, that was my first time watching, I think, a movie from Uruguay, personally. I don't know if you've ever watched a movie from Uruguay, but for me, I think that's a first. Yeah, I'm, again, it's kind of hard. It, Uruguay is Spanish speaking, um, yeah. but this is the first time I ever recall like the, the setting being like actively proclaimed as Montevideo, um, yeah. which is in Uruguay. So yeah, this might be the same for me as well. I've definitely watched a lot of Spanish language horror films. Yeah, but, same here. Um, Uruguay, this might be a, a first on the old uh, international horror checklist. Yeah, well, this is what I like about, you know, the streaming services nowadays is that I think we have this uh, access to so much more movies from all over the world. Because I think before we were sort of presented with what was at the, you know, at the super video, <laughs> you know, store where you could rent stuff. And yeah, sure, there was some, you know, foreign films that you could rent, but it was definitely not, you know, the selection that we can have our hands onto now with the streaming services. So I'm really excited with, uh, with, you know, I think modern days, you know, the fact that we can, uh, we can enjoy movies from everywhere, you know, that otherwise maybe we wouldn't know existed, you know, because it wasn't in our video store or, you know, it wasn't on TV and, or the theater, you know, <laughs> that's right. Break down those borders. All right. Embrace yes. it. Watch more foreign films. Yeah, absolutely. And you'd be surprised. There's so much good stuff, honestly, like, from other uh, uh, from other countries, like wherever you are, definitely open your uh, your borders of you know uh, language, and uh, you'll be surprised by how uh, how many awesome movies are are out there, and you'd be surprised also how many American movies actually are reboots from <laughs> movies from other countries because there's a lot. There's a lot. America, if there's one thing we we know how to do, it's steal some other stuff and call it our own. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> All right, so that kind of sums up our thoughts on the last matinee. Now we got to get into, get into a few other segments here. First yep. up is the the weekly rabbit hole, and yes. I'm curious to know what you've been uh, getting sucked into outside of traditional media this week. So, um, so this week, uh, I, I was thinking about you know what should I sort of like cover because. Sometimes, yeah, I'll get into like a very specific rabbit hole, but sometimes I don't have the time necessarily to like sink in like many hours into like one specific thing. So this week I actually caught myself watching a couple of videos, you know, like <clears throat> while I was doing other stuff. And um, I really wanted to chat about a channel that I really enjoy on YouTube and a content creator that I really enjoy. Um, also, he follows me on Twitter. So that's my brag of the week. Um, <laughs> but um, uh, the name of this YouTuber is called uh, Nexpo. So Nexpo is uh, a content creator on YouTube uh, and he produces a lot of different videos that really do sort of like deep dives into different types of mysterious and dark uh, content all over the internet. And he puts them into these really well edited and super entertaining videos that are usually about, I would say, 20 to 30 minutes long. So, you know, they're Longer than, let's say, your bite-sized YouTube video, but short enough that, you know, you don't feel like you have to sink in a ton of hours into, you know, a rabbit hole that, you know, you wish you could got into, but you don't have the time. This guy does a really, really good job of, like, summarizing a lot of these rabbit holes while also having a feeling like he really does go deep dive into, into, into them. And sometimes they come in, in multiple parts or whatever. You'll find, like, videos about 
cults in video games, uh, internet stalker stuff, ARGs, uh, investigations, and various disturbing things that he's found from around the internet. And he and he is really, really a good editor. And so the videos are like really easy to watch. And, and I definitely recommend checking him out because sometimes, you know, you want to get into rabbit holes and stuff like that, but you don't know where to start. Also, you maybe don't have the time, so you sort of want someone to do it for you <laughs> and tell it, <laughs> tell it all about, about it to you after. So I think if you're a person like that who's like, hey, I don't have the time to like spend four hours on Reddit today, well, go watch Nexpo. He'll, he'll do that for you, for you and tell you all about it. So definitely go watch Nexpo on YouTube, and you can also go support his Patreon on uh, slash Nexpo on Patreon. So definitely go check him out. Uh, definitely recommend watching him. Uh, and uh, that's that. That's my little rabbit hole recommendation for the week. Beautiful. I'll have to give that a shot because, you know, sometimes I do just want the cliff notes as much as I love going down a, a deep rabbit hole. Like you said, you know, we don't we all don't have a ton of time every week yeah. to really get sucked in. So if someone can break it down nice and neat, give me all the bullet points and I can digest it in 10 to 20 minutes. Now, now you're now you're speaking my language. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's what he does. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, do you have a new hometown horror for us this week, Miles? Yeah. So hometown horror is the section of the show where we want you to share your local urban legends, scary stories and unexplainable experiences. If you have a hometown horror story of your own, shoot us an email at fearontappodcast at gmail.com. Today, I am incredibly excited because we've gotten our first listener-submitted hometown horror story. And this comes by way of Mr. Joanna Dark, and this particular hometown horror takes place in Portsmouth, Virginia. This is The Unexplainable Intruder. I quickly, and this is from the perspective of Mr. Joanna Dark here, I quickly, quickly want to say that this already is a fantastic show and I'm excited to join you and the listeners on this incredible ride discussing all things horror. Aw, thank Aww. you. Shout out, Mr. Joanna Dark, <laughs> absolute out. legend. Um, all right, here we go. My hometown horror story takes us to Portsmouth, Virginia in 2015. After 10 months in the Middle East, I, came, I just came back from deployment. And I was happy to move off base and have my apartment. I found this fantastic townhome that was a killer deal. I let a buddy of mine crash for two months while he got his things together to head back west. One night, after watching Friday the 13th, I finally passed out and went to sleep. I can't recall the time, but it was about 2 to 3 a.m. All I remember is someone kicking my bedroom door open and saying, George, get the hell up. I turned around in shock and my door was wide open but my roommate was not standing in front of my wide open door. I got up and stormed into my friend's room and said, what the fuck is your problem? But no one is there. I get on my phone scared and I call him. When he picks up, I scream at him and ask, why did you come kick my door down? He tells me, I'm in Arizona. I then heard my doorbell and ran to my window to see who it might be, but no one is out there. So I grabbed my dog, my Rambo knife, and pistol and barricaded myself in my room. I waited and listened for 45 minutes to see if I heard someone try to break in. You're wondering why I didn't call the cops. I say the same thing to myself every time I share this story. Locked in my closet, I passed out eventually of exhaustion with my weapons in hand and woke up a couple hours later still wondering what had happened. To this day, I can't recall 
if I was dreaming or not. Oh my God, that is very scary. <laughs> I, I don't think there's something scarier than like home invasion stuff. Honestly, I think that's probably to me one of the top like thing that would make me shit my pants, honestly. Yeah, it's there's this kind of sense of safety and security you feel oh, when yeah. you're at home. And to have, you know, the possibility of that be violated, that is scary, especially when, you know, you, you don't have control of it. And in this case with with Mr. Joanna Dark here, um, he couldn't even tell what what was happening. So really appreciate you writing in again. If you are listening to the show, you have a similar story to share. Uh, we are all for it. We want to make this a, a regular part of the show. Uh, send those over to Fear on Tap podcast at gmail.com. And I think that brings us to the end of episode three, right? Yes, already. Episode three down. Yes. What are we talking about next week? Do you want to say? Yeah. So next week, ooh, by my strong recommendation, <laughs> we are going to be discussing the outrageous cult horror film called the Ice Cream Man, starring a, uh, oh, I'm blanking on his name. Oh, no. He's the director. Ron Howard. Sorry. Ron Howard's ah, <laughs> brother is is a pretty well-known actor, and he starred in a uh, kind of mid-90s horror movie where he plays a killer ice cream man. So if you want to mm. get caught up, join the conversation for next week. Be sure to watch The Ice Cream Man, which you can find on Shudder. Um, it also might be on Amazon, but definitely on Shutter. And if gotcha. you want to, you know, send us your takes, hit us up on social media. You can follow us at Fear on Tap. My personal handle is at Miles Dompierre. And where can they get a hold of you? Yeah, so my uh, handle on Twitter and pretty much everywhere else is at the Slasher Chick. You can also um, join our Discord. I think we're posting the links mostly on Twitter for, for now. So you can go on our Twitter and you'll find our Discord link somewhere in there. You can join our community. Um, it is still a small but growing community. So definitely go and join us to talk about movies and beers and things like that. So it is open. So feel free to come join us. Absolutely. Hit up that Discord. Let's talk horror movies. And thanks so much for listening to Fear on Tap. We will catch y'all next week. Have a great week, everyone.